you know, the hope is that, and here's, and it's kind of like the reverse, right? So your, your child, you hope is going to launch and go and get a career. And you, of course you love them and you care for them, but aging is a different process. And most of us are very unprepared, have no real understanding of what it means when that happens, the emotional impact. And let's be clear, not everybody has wonderful family dynamics. Welcome to FemPower Health. Georgie here. The U.S. healthcare system relies heavily on unpaid care to meet the health needs of the ill and disabled. And in 2009, the value of that care was estimated at $450 billion, a value far greater than the $361 billion spent on Medicare that year. Now that is staggering, and that was pre-pandemic. So today I am pleased to bring to you Mim Senth, and she is a co-founder and co-director for Motivity Care. And I heard her speaking at the Women's Health Innovation Summit in September, 2022. And I put her at the top of my list of someone I needed to interview for this podcast because she's got data, data, data around caregiving and its impact on women's health and by us prioritizing supporting those of us doing the caretaking out of the home, we can better support society overall. Enjoy the discussion. So it's really nice to, to um, connect with you and, and talk on the podcast today because I saw you presenting at the Women's Health Innovation Summit last year. I was actually leading the discussion on endometriosis. And then it was really cool. Last year, I ran the Founders Roundtable. So it was really cool. There were 50 founders that went. So that was really fun. I'm not sure if you were there. There were a lot of people in the room. So yeah, we were. Yeah, we were there. And uh, my, you know, me and my business partner, we are really honored to be um, recognized. And we're actually speaking at the the Femtech Innovations event in New York City in June. It was so cool to see you presenting because at the summit, because I, I mean, we always talk about caregiving, but to, I, I remember I perked up when you presented on the stage because I, like, oh. I never really thought about like it being you know, a company focusing on this as like a women's health issue. And uh, it's absolutely brilliant. And so I remember making a note, I have to interview her. And so, oh, so I'm you. so glad we were able to make this, this work out. Well, I'm really honored to have the conversation. And as you can probably already tell, I am deeply passionate about solving this in a way that's going to really create social impact. So it's about the corporate bottom line but it's this growing issue. We have aging workforces. We have aging populations. There are 70 million baby boomers in the United States and more than a billion around the world. Employers really need to be thinking about this because there is a real impact to the corporate bottom line. I mean, there's the personal piece and the gender equity and diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. pieces of this, but whether you're female from a diversity background or a man that is the primary caregiving decision maker, it has such a huge impact on your life that needs to change. In 2009, the value of this unpaid care was estimated at $450 billion, a value far greater than the $361 billion spent on Medicare that year. So talk to us because, you know, in my day job, I'm a consultant and I work for a really great company that's proactive and 
with diversity and inclusion and just really supporting the workplace. And I know during COVID, especially when the conversations were really rampant, they were struggling on what to do. And just even as like, I was a single mom, my ex was living in Hong Kong and my mom had passed away. My dad was in Florida and he passed away during COVID, not from it. But I remember, you know, even recently saying, I'm so sick of like the New York Times and everyone else writing about the poor single moms um, or like moms in general. And no one's doing anything. Everyone's just writing articles about how it's so hard. (laughs) And I was just like, I needed help. Like I was a disaster. I'm just thrilled we're talking about it. Right. We can talk about things or we can actually solve problems. Yes. Right. And I think a lot of it from a corporate perspective or a business perspective is really looking at that corporate bottom line impact, right? How is this really costing you if you don't address this, I think is the big question, right? For a lot of employers, why would my CFO, CEO care, right? I mean, it's nice to hear about it, but truthfully, how does this really impact our business? And I think that that is one of the big pieces that really needs to get out there because a lot of your caregivers, and again, there's been great discussion around caring for children, right? A lot of discussion about fertility treatments and ways that we can help women who decide to have children later. This is a much more difficult thing to do. This is just physiology. There's some great, great resources, tools, and companies making real good strides in that area. But there is very little discussion about caregiving for aging adults. And, you know, a couple of the, you know, and I'm like you, I'm a stat girl. So I always talk about, you know, what are the real numbers? I think it's interesting for business owners uh, or business leaders to think about um, their employee who suddenly has to make decisions for mom, dad, husband, a loved one, friend, whatever it is. On average, they're going to spend about 24 hours every week making caregiving management decisions. This is not direct aid. This is calling about the doctor's appointments and dealing with Medicare or Medicaid and, you know, the lawyers and how our financial things getting paid for and is the house getting cleaned and, oh my gosh, we've got to get a handicapped bathroom in and this isn't working and um, we don't know what to do. Um, Family infighting. Um, All of this tends to happen during regular business hours. So it has a clear impact on productivity, which is always a little hard, right, to quantify. We know that. But one of the other things that we can really look at is just how all of this got underscored during COVID. So mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in looking at your turnover numbers and hopefully you you can do that through a demographic lens and start to get like some kind of an idea of what the impact really is financially on your company. And how much is it really going to cost you to replace that person if they burn out, if they feel like they really are having to make the choice between their family and their job? You lose their talent not only are you losing the productivity and getting less and less of them as they're burning out, they may walk out the door because they have no other choice. And, you know, again, what I find interesting is that many of these folks are, they're caregiving for both, right? Kids, teenagers, kids that are in college, if you're a parent, you know, right? (laughs) It doesn't suddenly stop. But then layering on top of that, care for an aging adult you know, the hope is that, and here's, and it's kind of like the reverse, right? So your, your child, you hope is going to launch and go and get a career. And you, of course you love them and you care for them, but aging is a different process. And most of us are very unprepared, have no real understanding of what it means when that happens, the emotional impact. And let's be clear, not everybody has wonderful family dynamics. Right. 
So we look at this through a mental health lens too. And you just, look, I'd encourage anybody, you can go out and look at the AARP caregiving um, Facebook page. I don't think anybody wants to be in this position. You don't want your employees in this position. And we never want women, women from all backgrounds to walk away from a career that they have invested in because they feel like they don't have a choice. You know, of course, I've been following women's health specifically, and I know that we um, have acknowledged that men can also be caregivers, but since this is a women's health podcast, we'll focus on the impact on women specifically, um, not at all minimizing the impact on men. What's been interesting in women's health is there's this flood of change in acknowledging so many different impacts on women. And so I'm wondering, as an employer who's trying to figure all this out, and I think as you know, women and even um, clinicians are listening to this, I think it's just important perspective to have and how these decisions are made because fertility um, was probably the first big thing that really went to employers of you've got to do something. Um, menopause is now a big one. Another one is leave um, for um, challenges you may have during your menstrual cycle. And now we're layering caregiving. And so I am not at all minimizing the need to do something about all of these, but it's all so many things all at once. And I'm just so curious your perspective about that. I, I think you may also know that I'm a co-founder of Global Women for Wellbeing, not just Motivity Care. Yes. So being Global Women for Wellbeing is a nonprofit focused on empowering more healthy female leadership at all levels from all backgrounds, so we have the resilience to be positive disruptors. So that's the big, giant, hairy goal. And this really came out of research literature reviews. Like, how do we get to this point? Because one of the questions, like for many of us, right? I'm sorry, if you're a little bit older, like, I'm sorry, I'm a little tired of talking about pay equity. Uh, it's making me crazy. Like, how many decades? I have a sign. I have, there's a picture of a woman holding up a sign from 1910, 1910. Equal pay really? for equal work. Yes, ma'am. And I'm like, yeah, you can go, you probably Google it. You can probably find it. So I'm sorry it was from a suffragette, I'm sure, you know, March or whatever. But let's just level set a little bit, right? Really? More than 100 years? And we're still like, oh, well, we're sort of making progress. We're doing this and that. So one of the things that, that uh, a group of us, before we even started that, kind of sat down and looked at each other and said, you know what? We've been talking about pay equity and leadership equity and like, you know, some of these pieces for how long now? What are we missing? What is not pushing this forward in a way that that um, we would really like to see? And so this is why we did research literature reviews. It's free. I, anybody who wants to contact, we're happy to send you the white paper. It's completely cited. I am very big on that, right? This is not just our opinion. But it was interesting that we looked at data um, around women's health and well-being issues and pretty much everything, whether it was menstruation, fertility, mental health, financial stability, whatever it was. And then we looked at data um, that came out of like Harvard Business School and some of these other things about women having to provide twice as much information as their male counterparts to get buy-in. Think that's stressful? Of course it is. But the big question was, all these bubbles of research, what is the secondary things that keep coming up underneath? It's getting mentioned under here that the research is not really focused on, but we are seeing over and over and over again. And no surprise, I'm sure to many of us, is this caregiving issue. And the caregiving issue is for children, for aging adults, and yourself. Three pieces. That is directly connected to financial stability and financial well-being. 
Because if we don't have the financial means to pay for these things, and practically, if you have to choose between paying for something for mom with Alzheimer's or your child's medication versus your own, as a, as, as a, you know, we know this statistically, most of us will make the sacrifice. The problem is when we continue to do this, it's a long-term health impact on us. And so this is the problem is that we put all these things in bubbles instead of really understanding the intersectionalities and designing programs, including employee benefits packages, total reward programs, however you want to position it in a way that actually makes sense for the demographics in your organization. And so you might have your EAP, your mental health you know, that's supposed to be the mental health piece. And I can go off on that, like, cause I've had years of experience in that arena too. And I have hmm, some interesting thoughts about that. But again, if you're going to have a caregiving benefit and your caregiving vendor provider has no understanding of your company, of the other benefits that your company provides, that's a problem because coming from the benefits design world now into the other side, it's one of the very big messages that we give back. Any kind of benefit, that provider should have the ability to HIPAA compliant, I'm going to be real clear about that, but to warm transfer them back to an EAP, a financial um, education piece. If you have a dependent care benefit, because yes, you can use it for children, but the truth is if you have an aging adult living in your home, it's tactics dependent on you, you can use it. And most people don't know this. Right. So you've got the benefit. There's uh huh, not a lot of education. So at the very least, wouldn't you like to be able to put back pre-tax dollars to care for your aging loved one in your home? Gee, yeah. what a what a great benefit. Right. But here's the thing, too, that I find very interesting. There are a lot of solutions like, well, do stress management and do these pieces. What we're not focused enough on is understanding how to really shift the things that are actually causing the stress. We often talk about this at a level where we think everybody has a lot of money and stability. But the truth is a lot of the people and particularly the women and women from all backgrounds that we want to truly support are not in that world. And so that's why these benefits and educating them about them in a much more um, targeted way does two things. One, it helps support them. It has a big message to them from the company, right? How long am I going to stay with a company when they have benefits that really help me? Things that like my day-to-day life, you understand me, you're actually helping me. Of course, I'm going to be more, you know, more connected to you. What kind of reputation do you have as a company externally if you can actively show how these things are impacting your workforce? And this was, um, you know, and it's funny because you touched on the health and well-being side. And again, I have years of experience between the benefits design and the employee health and well-being stuff. A lot of the stuff that companies still do to this day does not change behavior. I'm going to repeat that. Does not change behavior. So it's great that you put in a platform. It's great that you do lunch and learns. It's great that you do biometric screenings. I'm a disruptor and I have gotten up on stage and said, okay, when a company spends all this money on this stuff, where is the data to show that the majority or at least half of the people that participate in these things are healthier a year to two years out, because that's real data. I don't care about your participation numbers because that doesn't say anything about how they changed their health. All it says is they showed up or they've showed up and they've gotten their discount on their medical benefits, which I totally get because everybody wants to save that money, but they will do that. Once they're done, they stop. They don't care. 
we have to shift the mindset, I believe, in leadership around this bigger discussion. What are the benefits of having a healthier, more engaged workforce? What do you get, C-suite, board of directors, right? How does this actually help your company stay more competitive? How does it reduce overall employee costs, real impact on your bottom line? And that's just something that, again, there's been a lot of lip service around this, including DE&I stuff, because I've certainly been on calls about this too. Um, Oh, we want to change it. We want to do this. I'm like, great. So how are you measuring that? Where's the numbers? If we were talking about data security, and I use this example all the time, if we were talking about data security in your organization and you thought there was a risk, how fast do you think your C-suite team is going to address it? How quickly are you going to put together a team and put a budget together? So again, actions always speak louder than words. I know that's cliche, but I think it's very true. If you care about gender equity, if you care about diversity and inclusion, how are you actually measuring all the different pieces that you're doing in your organization? How are you connecting those pieces and how are you measuring success? Because all of it comes down to the healthier your employees are, and I mean healthy mind, healthy body, healthy connection to purpose and financial stability, those four pieces. The more your programs, your communications, your benefits are all geared towards that, and your employees understand the value, as well as your C-suite, the more successful you're going to be. There are not many companies, I'm going to tell you flat out, at least people can call me, you know, call me up, tell me about your company. I'm happy to listen, but I'm going to tell you flat out, I've done a lot of work in this space. It's usually people that have um, the best of intentions, but never actually put in a real project plan, strategic plan. KPIs, key performance indicators, and get that end result. How should we as women view this? And what is the role that we can play both for ourselves? Because it's going to take time for a lot of employers to catch on. And this is not just about employers. It's, it's, there's so many complicated aspects to this. Um, But like, What can we do in the meantime? Because I agree, like I'm a consultant by day and I see so many corporate silos and, you know, it's unfortunately it's structure drives behavior and incentives drive behavior. And if incentives are in your department and your department focuses on X, it's kind of hard to think through what the other department might be doing or the other category because of how everything is structured. And so that's like a whole other discussion. How can women, I guess, think about this for now and how can they advocate? Because like, I'm just thinking I'm, I'm, I might be an overwhelmed woman who's trying to figure all this out. I don't have time to figure it out. I just need to survive. Like, how can we put the, the pieces together? So survive from crisis to crisis is not the same as putting in guardrails for yourself understanding what resources you have. Look, the science is out there. We all know the basics, right? Sleep, drink water, eat the right foods, get exercise, have good social connection. They are vital at every stage of life, whether you are 5, 25, 45, 65, 95, doesn't matter. So I think one of the simple things to do is have a checklist for yourself. And I mean, do it every six months or every quarter for yourself. I mean, I'm very practical. Put it on and say, huh, Am I totally disconnected from my social network? You know, is this, do I really feel like I have social support? 
Am I really getting the amount of sleep that I need? Am I, whatever it is. And I understand, look, if you've got newborns or somebody with Alzheimer's, sometimes the sleep, you can't do all of them all the time sometimes, and that's okay. What's important is to decide which ones are your non-negotiables. And here's the thing that I think a lot of us, and again, at GW4W, Motivity Care, we talk about this all the time. It's the inner voice that we as women have grown up with. Who are women supposed to be? The caregivers, the givers. Oh, you're so generous. Oh, you just give. Oh, you, well, why won't you do this for free? Right? So I think that the other thing is, is also to give yourself the opportunity to be curious with yourself and say, what do I really feel? Do I feel I deserve to take care of myself? What does it mean to really put my own mask on first for me? And do I think I deserve to do that? And if I don't, why? And again, it's not about judgment. It's not about guilt. It's about challenging the biases about women that we carry so that we can better care for ourselves. We cannot show up and be these leaders that the world needs us to be without protecting ourselves. That's just a reality. And look, as somebody who was very, and this is the truth, I was very ill when I was like 29, 30, unusual hormonal disorder. I had nobody in my world that like even remotely understood what I was going through. So I personally know what it's like to be that person in the hospital bed at two o'clock in the morning and like not know if you're going to survive, not know what's going to happen next. It's really scary. And I know that we can't always avoid this, but what I would say back to you is I really, really hope that you put your health as a priority because how could I do my job in a hospital bed? How can I care for my family in a hospital bed? That's the, you know, obviously the, the, the extreme but it's those micro pieces that chip away at our lives and chip away at our health and well-being. I'll just put it off. Oh, I won't get to it. You know, oh, I'll do it some other time. That all adds up. We need to invest every day in our health and well-being. And I think practically go back and look at all the benefits if you're at an organization and see what's really offered. Read through it. See if there are things that can, you know, support you so that you can at least tap into that when you need it. Because too often we just think about medical, right? Because we're running a million miles an hour. But if there are fertility benefits, really understand them before you go through the process. If they have support in there for um, women that are perimenopausal or menopausal, go out and check them out before. This is really important, right? And understand your own family history as much as you can. Because then you can kind of gauge like, well, this might start to impact me. But here's the other thing again, the silo thing, right? So I could potentially be going through menopause and caregiving and taking care of my teenage kid who's having a problem, right? So now I've got three major stressors that are happening, plus the projects, plus the maybe I'm being asked to travel for work, whatever it is. Each one of us at different stages in our life has different levels of resilience. I mean, we all have kind of a baseline and, you know, it's good to kind of know that what that is for yourself. If you're on the introvert, where you are in the introvert extrovert spectrum, I think is also an important piece because too often we are get pushed into social situations instead of again, reviving. And there's a mental health piece to that. Like I have somebody working for me as a true introvert. And so I'm very careful about, and she's brilliant and wonderful. And oh my gosh, I can't, like, I could not do what I do without her, but I have taken the time as somebody who doesn't understand it through her lens to listen very clearly and give her the space when she needs it. If she comes to an event with us, she needs more time by herself in order to be at her best. This is true for you. 
And, you know, nobody's just extrovert or introvert. Most of us are, you know, on that spectrum somewhere. So I would, if you haven't read the book Quiet, I'm going to just suggest it. Um, it's, it's, and it has a little thing. You can take your own test and kind of find out where you are. Um, but it's all these pieces. I think um, another interesting one for anybody who hasn't done it, Strength Finders. I know this sounds weird from a health and well-being perspective, but why? Yep. You should know your strengths, right? Focus on those. Everybody will spend a lot of time telling you what you should or could, or why can't you do this better? But the reality is when you know what your strength is and you're real clear about that, it gives you a much stronger place to speak from. And, and I think that that's important for us as women. But the other thing of the practical thing, and this is basic, have you gotten all the testing that you need to get done every year? Do you make that a priority? I can't tell you how many times I've been in workshops where I've asked people to raise their hand. Has everybody done all the basic, and we all know what they are. Have I been to my OBGYN? Have I gotten my physical? Have I gotten my blood work done? You know, if there's something that has been bothering me, have I talked to the doctor about it? Um, if you're at the age to get a colonoscopy, have you done that? If you need to, or if you have family history about things, because the sooner you catch these things, right? This is why you've got to prioritize your health. The faster you can get back to your life if something comes up. I'm sure most of us on this call know of at least one woman that ignored, 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 and ended up, you know, in a terrible situation. And here's the other thing I'll say. Let's please support each other as women. Please. There is far too much, I think, especially in the media, you know, representation of us tearing each other down, fighting, screaming, doing all this. Healthy female leadership has to be modeled. Yes. And it is up to each of us to do that. In whatever arena you're in, family, community, business arena, how do we support each other? How do we um, lift each other up? How do we do the gentle reminders for those that are running at a million miles an hour and say, "Have you real? are you taking care of yourself? Do you need anything? Like, what can I do for you? And I realize that sometimes you're just as busy, but even that recognition of, wow, um, I, it sounds like with this caregiving thing, this is really difficult. Did you know we have this resource? Did you know about this in the community? Where can we make that connection and help them? Because ultimately that helps all of us, right? It helps us as a community. Absolutely. So a question here around self-care versus guilt Another is how can you tell if you're doing too much because it's starting to wear you down? Now, as someone who very recently was in it, meaning every single aspect was too much, and I knew this, but I had no idea how to spin out of it. My whole thing was I literally got to the point where I would make a list of today can, I will not survive today if these three things don't get complete. And that was how I started to prioritize. I would just prioritize the day. But what I, I thought might be helpful is, is to do two approaches and let me know if this works for you. So one approach is what does, hmm, good, I'm doing using lots of quotes, um, air quotes, <laughs> good look like in that good. disaster. And I, and I asked this question for a, a very good reason. So I think back to so many of these podcast interviews I've done and, you know, you hear so much about like um, period pain being normalized and a lot of why it's normalized is our grandmothers normalize it, our mothers normalize it, 
our doctors normalize it because people haven't really properly studied women's bodies. And there's also just the general history of normalization. And so if I have period pain because it's normalized, I think it's normal and I do nothing. And so I always like to go to in a crappy situation that you're dealing with, what could a better one look like that we know can't be perfect, but it could possibly get to. So that's one. The other um, way I'd love to tackle this is with data. Because I'm just thinking women may still be like, but I don't know, because I'm so used to training, trained to be a caregiver and to fall apart myself as long as everyone else is okay. So I wonder if maybe for, for those who still can't grasp, maybe data, like by me not taking care of myself, my employer is suffering this much more because I am not taking care of myself. So maybe that would be, so I guess I'm just trying to help listeners have some sort of something that's their North star to be like, okay, okay, I get it. (laughs) This is how I survive. Okay. I'm going to start with the data piece. Okay. And this is specifically, I mean, this is, this is a caregiving number ish. So if you leave the marketplace for a caregiving issue, typically, um, it will, you will end up on average leaving four hundred to $800,000 on the table. This is you. This is money you could invest. This is money that would have been back for social security. This is potential raises that you would have gotten. It is a huge number. And that's an average number. So it really depends on where you are. So first and foremost, um, I want you to be aware that this caregiving thing and burning out is a real, can be a huge financial hit to you. And it can mean you may not be able to retire. That's just the reality. So I hope that kind of sets. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. The urgency of understanding what this really means. I I, I like the good with the, you know, what is good? What is good? You know, I I find that interesting. You know, there's the term homeostasis, right? When we, we can, when we are in flow, we've all heard these terms, right? Now we know that life throws stuff at us. We all just went through COVID Many of us have gone through potentially um, cancer diagnosis and treatments for ourselves or others. We've been challenged with um, a child that um, may have challenges. Uh, We may have an early Alzheimer's diagnosis that we've gone through all of this. For you to be the best decision maker, the person managing a lot of this, you need to be at your best. And how do we do this? Here's the interesting thing. We often are not our own best friend. I am a huge believer in understanding when and how you need to use resources and coaches. None of us are experts in every piece of this ever, right? How could we be? So I find it interesting that there are business health coaches. There are. They're not just for building your business, not just for building your leadership thing, but actual coaches that can help you help you really help you prioritize your own health and well-being. Because there are so many things, there can be cultural bias, there can be religious bias, there can just be general gender bias, whatever that is, that we carry with us because, and again, it's through no fault of your own, it's, you've been socialized this way, right? And so to get to some of those things, think of yourself as an elite athlete, right? An elite athlete, your Venus Williams, your, you know, whoever you want to use is your, your role model, right? She always had coaches around her, her entire career, even at the top of her game. So why is it 
that we don't do that for ourselves. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a paid coach, although there are some very, very good ones. And again, I would highly recommend doing the, the research around this. But there are resources, there are support, credible support groups and things that can help you along the way with different pieces of this puzzle. And please, 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 it is, and I Google too, I'm going to be, right? I'm going to find out something I want to learn. I'm going to go read that book. I'm going to do this. Look for credible science to back the stuff up. And really question the good, you have a unique voice. I, I so strongly believe this. this is a GW4W's message. This is Motivity Care's message. You, as an individual voice, as an individual, have something that is important whether it's your family, community, business, and I don't care if you are 80, 60, I look at all these different ages, but in order to be able to use that voice, to use the power that you really have in you to make positive change happen in the world at every level, and it can be the kindness that you do for a neighbor or leading a whole team, we cannot do that when we are not at our healthiest. And this is why it's so vital for us to protect it. And so when these things come up for you around, I'll just push it off or I'm feeling really anxious. I also think we have to have some humor around this too, to be honest, right? We get super serious about all of this, ah, you know, and it's like, okay, most of us are not brain surgeons. Like whatever we do, nobody's going to die if we don't get it done like this minute. And it's okay to not be a superwoman. We're human. We're human beings. And when you are fighting against the, I just feel overwhelmed, but I've got to get it done. When you start hearing that in your head, that's the time when you got to take, I always call it about the power of the pause. Be your own best friend. Would you really say what you're saying in your head to yourself, to somebody that you truly love? We need positive disruptors. We need women from all backgrounds to be leaders at all levels. And so this commitment to our own health and well-being, a commitment to each other, is what can really create a better world for us as individuals and our businesses, but also the larger world. Yeah, no, it's true. And I'm just thinking back to this book I read. It's called Playing Big by uh, Tara Moore. And, you know, and there she also brought up the example of like, we're not playing big. We're not asking for what we need. And sometimes right. we don't know, and that's okay. But if we know, we need to be clear rather than hoping someone can guess, right? So I'm going to say, I'm going to take this because this has come out of multiple workshops that we've done. Okay. One of the questions I've asked a lot of the women in the room, and then again, all backgrounds did not, was not specific to anyone, race, religion, age, whatever, because there was a lot of complaint. Well, you know, our partners at home don't do this or husbands or whatever you want to, you know, whoever it is, right? They don't do this or whatever. I know. And I said, okay, how often do you ask them to do it? And then my second question is, and how often do we just let them do it in the way that they need to do it? How much do we own about saying, but it needs to be done this way versus saying, do we, can't we let go of that a little bit so that we have more space for ourselves? Look, maybe the diaper's not exactly the way you would do it, or maybe the dishes are not a hundred percent the way you would do it, but they're done and you didn't have to do it. And so I think it's the other superwoman perfectionist kind of thing that sometimes we can get caught in that, well, they just don't do it right. So I have to do everything. And it's a question I would, you know, ask, ask yourself. And, and again, I, I know well, we shouldn't have to. And then I was saying, do you thank him for doing it? We shouldn't have to do that. I understand where you're coming from, but here I'm a strategist. If they do it and they get it done and you say, thank you. And then they do it again for you. 
isn't that good? Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> that's true. No, that's a really good strategy. But I do think there are these just genuine hard situations with family members. Because like I've had to set boundaries. Like There's been a lot of addiction in my family. And I've had to set really, really hard boundaries. And yeah. I mean, the conversations are basically, I love you. I can help you, but I'm not. And these people have had to literally fall to the ground dealing with right. horrific crashing to be able to recover. But that's, e that's I guess, kind of easy. But like if it's a patient, it's someone who has Alzheimer's where it's like, I mean, I think that's like a little bit different. So it's completely um, different. I mean, right? and again, well, you're I, right. I completely fair, different. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, and thank you for sharing that. But I mean, you know, addiction is a whole nother. Yes. It's physiological. It's mental. There's a whole, and it's an illness and I get it, you know, but you, you really make a clear point. So here is the thing that I'm going to tell people. Most of us will end up having to be a caregiver. I have done it myself. Okay. So I want to be clear about this. My personal experience one of the reasons that we created Motivity Care was because of the need to be prepared at every stage of aging for you and for your loved ones. The more prepared you are before that Alzheimer's diagnosis, dementia, is how you can start to put those boundaries in place. The more you understand the potential pitfalls and where the stressors might be in your own family dynamics or what, and however you define family, right? Like anything in life, this preparing for makes the eventuality of the unexpected, as I call it, because it really does happen, yeah. um, so much easier for people. And so this is where, again, you go back to when you can speak to somebody who can act as that chief of staff, act as that coach for you and say, okay, let's really talk about your personal situation. You're going to become a caregiver to mom or dad or your older husband or whoever it is, right? Whatever that situation is. Let's do some pre-planning. There's all the practical stuff, the medical, the legal, the financial, the, you know, the personal considerations, the family dynamics. And I really appreciate you brought this up. It can be one of the biggest stressors around this. The more a lot of this stuff is worked out beforehand, the easier it goes with all of these things. And you're right. You know, we talk about, it's usually like, oh, you're loving, you love your mom and your dad. Let's be honest about this. That's not always the situation. Sometimes there are very, very difficult situations. And it's, again, we've got experience doing this and helping families that are um, really infighting on, you know, on every aspect of this to come to a more, um, to come to a consensus. Because at the end of the day, it's about protecting that person. It's about sharing whatever precious time you have, if that is important to you, with them not spending all the time doing things for them because you're going to resent it. And this impacts your health and well-being. It impacts them. Everything from at your 60, 60, and I even say at 50, like I'm really a big believer in this. If you have kids, if you have assets, do an assessment. Really? Do you know how much stress? If you cannot speak for yourself, God forbid something happens and you cannot speak for yourself, what would happen? Who would make those decisions for you? How would things get done? And it's the gift you give to the people that you care about. If you are a single person, right? You're 20% of, of top female executives are single. Great. Good for you. Whatever choices you have, no color on that other than saying you worked really hard. If something happens for you, who has your back? What happens? You go in, you get into a car accident and you can't speak for a month and a half. What happens? 
We don't want those things to happen. We hope that they don't. And the reality is we're all going to age. I mean, 80% of women, when they pass, will be a widow or single. That's just a fact. And so you want to live your best life at every age. You want to stay as healthy as you can. Invest in that health so that you have that. You invest in that so if you are in a caregiving situation, you have the strength and the mental capacity to do it. And you also want to plan for your own life, you know, and I'll give you an example. Like I literally just spent time with my mom this weekend. She is 86 and my mom drives and I have watched her. She can drive. She's a good driver. She still teaches. She just put together a big art exhibit for her community. She is an active, engaged human being. Now, part of that's genetics, but part of that is what she has done for herself. She has a great community around her, not just us as her family members. Um, she eats well. She does that. She goes out and hikes. Now, does she occasionally have a glass of wine or that chocolate cake? Absolutely, because she loves life. And she's one of my role models. And maybe that's the other thing is to take the time and look around and not be so afraid of some of those things and say, who do I want to be at 65, 70, 80? This investment I'm making now in my life is going to have an impact on that down the road. If I leave, to care for somebody else, and I never have the financial stability and have to go back in the workforce, I may never be able to retire. I'm also thinking, especially when you were saying, like, who do I want to be when I get to be X age, is who we are today influence when we get in these caregiving positions, how people see us. So I almost think, like, as soon as someone listens to this, I think the next question is, who do I want to be and start being that today? even if you're not in that caregiving situation, because when you are, if you are the person who drops everything all the time and puts yourself last, guess what everyone's going to expect of you. And I think how we behave in the world in all of our, whether it's work or with families and friends, I think that also has an impact. It's almost like we have to do the training now in setting boundaries and defining who we are and, and self-care so that when we get to that place, we can moderate a little better rather than literally learning from scratch. A hundred percent. Yeah. Start today with one thing, one thing, make it simple, make it easy, make it something that you can repeat on a regular basis. And whether that's saying, you know what, I'm not going to go onto social media first thing in the morning or that five minutes or 10 minutes that I take with a coffee, a cup of tea, whatever it is in the morning in a quiet space that feeds my soul in whatever that way that means to you, that may be your thing. It, it can be anything, right? It's nobody, it's your thing that supports you. Start with one thing, make it repeatable, find an accountability partner because changing behavior is not easy. And so if you have, uh, you know, another loved one that says, look, just check in with me and make sure I'm, you know, I just want you to be my gatekeeper for myself, right? <laughs> like, do you love yourself? Why were you not doing this? Why didn't you love yourself enough to do this? Right? Because that's the kind of message I think we still need to be saying to each other. Love yourself enough to care for yourself. Love yourself enough to figure out your non-negotiables. Love yourself enough to be able to say no and start saying no today to the things that do not help you, including people. And you brought this up. If you've got people in your life that are that are the energy suckers, the emotional suckers to the point, not not in dementia, I mean, we're not talking about that, but ones that yes. truly are not there to support you and you know it, you have every right to move them away from you. 
you have to protect that energy. And again, I say this over and over again, you, you, each of you, everybody listening to this, you have this power, you have this voice, you have something to give that the world needs. I really believe that. And so all of this is about get prepared, take the time to take stock, be your own best friend. It is a gift that you give yourself. This has been amazing. We could go on with so many different nuances of this, but you know what I would love to end with, I mean, you gave such um, a great ending of like prioritizing ourselves in order for the rest of the world to really work around us because we do our forces to be reckoned with. Tell us a little bit more about motivity care, who really should be looking at it and what people you want people to know about the great work that you're doing. Well, thank you for letting us share about that. And I say us because we're a team. Um, yes. We are women owned and we are minority owned. So I'll put that out there. Both my my business partner and I um, come from extensive corporate, as you can probably tell, you know, corporate ba- you know backgrounds. We've done this. We've worked internationally. We've done all of this. But we have also been the primary caregiving decision maker for multiple family members. And our goal is to help take the complexity out of caregiving management at every stage of aging. So practically, um, we make sure that you have every piece of documentation, information at your fingertips, app desktop. Why is this so important? Because when you're caring for somebody, those little pieces of the puzzle that you may need, you're out to dinner, you're traveling, you're at a business meeting. How long does it take you to get them? It is literally there and we're your 24-7, 365 backup. And we help you think through this so it is personalized to you. I get back then, we are also the concierge manager. Um, You can call us at any given time. The unexpected happens. We don't know what to do. Should we keep mom at home? Should we shouldn't? She's in the hospital. Um, We need to think about through all the options. Where are we gonna be financially? Do we need a financial care plan? Do we need, you know, what what does Medicaid cover? Like, what do we do about all of this? Um, I'm not sure that mom's documents are in place. We don't, what is this POA? Do we need a separate one for, so, you can start to get the picture. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. We're here to be your guide around that so that you can reduce the hours, you get to vetted, vetted resources very quickly, and that we can help project manage this for you so that you can work, so that it is not sucking up all of your life. Um, and we have clients, again, that are 45, 50. We have um, clients that have like a special needs adult child. They have all that information and theirs and their husbands. It becomes multi-generational so that they're protected. And we do the cat wrangling. So if you are, there's infighting with financial advisors and lawyers and the next door neighbor and all of this, we help moderate and mediate a lot of this. We can get you to mental health, family mediators, um, top of the line doctors nationally known that can help um, navigate if you are struggling over medical protocols. We are a one-stop shop to make this easier for you and get you to the resources that you need because caregiving will impact pretty much everyone. And we want to make it easier. We want to give you back the time with your loved ones and for the things that you want to do, right? And, um, and do it in a secure way. And it, it's our mission. It really, really That's is. That's awesome. Now, I know in the beginning, we talked so much about employers. If I'm an individual and my employer isn't, this is not an employer-sponsored program, can I as an individual 
use the services and pay for the services of Motivity Care. So it's not limited to, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Individual. Yes. We do work straight, straight. And we do, we, we certainly do now, but I would yeah. encourage you to think about this. If you're discussing this in your organization, um, again, this is now costing employers $50 billion a year and growing in the U S this is a huge problem. Um, yeah. So there's a financial discussion around this, but it's also about truly caring for women in the workplace. Bring it back to your teams. We need to do better around this. There are ways to support working caregivers. Take a look at this. Okay. Do you have a tip sheet for people who want to go to their employer and say, this is why you should do this? Of course. We have another paper that also outlines all the security on it. So I want to be clear about this. We meet EU, Canadian, US, and California data security standards. So if you, because we get a lot, you know, a lot of companies will say, oh, they don't have the security. Yeah. No, we have it for a reason. We come in with a way that can integrate, but our little secret is that we want to keep more women feeling better about their careers and being able to care for their families. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to share this episode and uh, keep doing what you're doing. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, honestly, for you or anybody else, we have a free assessment form. This is a practical thing. Just take it because it's going to help you understand what you have in place and what you don't know. We really did this as a social impact piece. So awesome. You want it. Anybody on your team wants it. Anybody in the podcast wants it. You just let us know and we'll get you the assessment link. Awesome. And that wraps up another empowering session here at the FemPower Health Podcast. Now, before you dash off, I've got a quick, exciting invitation for you. Please join our vibrant community by subscribing to our weekly newsletter, because it's really your frontline update on groundbreaking women's health research, the latest health-enhancing products, fun quizzes to boost your health IQ, and unique discoveries that you won't want to miss. All of this delivered straight to your inbox, cutting through the noise of social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com. Drop us a message on social media or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.